Hi, everyone. You're listening to episode number 12 of the Elysium Project podcast. I'm your host, Brian Johnson. I'm happy to announce today that our website, elysiumproject.tv, is finally live. You can find the links to all our social media channels from there, as well as our Patreon page and soon-to-come e-store. We rely on listeners like you to help support this show, so please have a look at our Patreon page, where for only $5 per month you can get access to exclusive insiders content, behind-the-scenes videos, and our private Facebook group. Today I'm speaking with Dr. David Jubb. David's work has been very influential on my research over the years. Dr. Jubb has a PhD in neurophysiology and is also an expert in life food nutrition and live blood cell analysis. On this episode, we are speaking about whole brain functioning. I know it's easy to get lost in this subject matter, but this was an incredible interview and there's lots of amazing information for those paying attention. I apologize for the background noise in this podcast. This episode was actually recorded earlier this year before we figured out our sound equipment better. Dr. David Jubb, great to have you here today. How are you doing? Really great, Brian, um, and really fantastic to be uh, touching base with uh, listeners today about our topic. Yeah. Absolutely. So today we're going to be talking about whole brain functioning, and uh, your research has really been quite profound in terms of the influence it's had on my life, and I would like if you could maybe share um, some of the background and history behind whole brain functioning. Well, um, for me, and this it goes back to the 70s um, and, uh, and the late 70s, where it was uh, that I was engaged in uh, research uh, that was looking into uh, brain function and things. And for the most part, ob- obser- observational, referentially looking scientifically, instruments basically uh, were, uh, had been created and some uh, like a PET scan for instance um, or a CAT scan in days past, all of these uh, images could show you a static picture um, but only in science all we had was something which was of a static picture and now you've got to go back to a time where there wasn't any computers, the beginningness of computers were, um, and then there was punch cards and things such like that. So you've got a day arising that we would have pieces of equipment that could look and show you uh, more than just a static image, uh, but that you could capture the moving, uh, living image of a brain thinking. And so... Um, back then, Michael Hutchinson wrote a book uh, called uh, Floating, and then there was Mega Brain and things. It was a very big interest in biofeedback, and there was all sorts of equipment and things that was being created. And I was involved in New York City at the time more in sensory deprivation tanks and things. Um, and But my interest was I could observe to see that uh, a brain in its totalness uh, was functioning in a way that a brain under stress um, wasn't really functioning in the same way. Um, and, and then my interest was there various things which was supportive of that physiologically, like um, could there be uh, conditions in the intestinal tract and gastrointestinal conditioning or nerves where ner- 
where neurotransmitters produced and could a function of that be because the gastrointestinal tract was uh, bridged or compromised and so uh, the development neurologically could have a, a factor in uh, brain function but first it was that for me to note uh, what would be the physiological parameters of more whole brain functioning versus a limited mind function and that um, could it be that you could observe uh, all body movements and listen into the presuppositions in language and uh, as a result of this you could have a window into the internal matrix of the brain and so my work was back then to develop an instrument which I did called Jubb's instrument um, which would determine uh, and teach someone in a living state to be observed of whole brain functioning where, where this is occurring versus limited mind function. But just for our listeners, you know, uh, we're talking about things, we want to have a bit more commensurable understanding because we're using terms and things, but we could just really clarify things. One thing is that you could note that in neurology, it was for me to uh, put research out and, and do research in this area um, that showed that the, as the septal region is firing, which is a region of your brain which connects your frontal cortex with the limbic region, mm. and your limbic region is your emotional brain, um, and that only upon coming through that emotional component of your brain were you able to have access to your frontal cortex. So your frontal cortex is involved in executive guidance and um, your faculty to inspire creative influence of the future. And a whole range of things really supports this. So for instance, if you have proper levels of buffers in your blood, um, then saliva will work properly, your mouth will really be in very good health, um, your uh, ability uh, to speak and your, the resonance, the intonation, the pitch, the rhythm, uh, the cadence and such really is more sort of rhythmical. Otherwise it could be sort of coming from sort of something which has not got much slurred or or relaxedness in it but like a voice which is you must do this and this is what should mm. be done and so that's that's an example of uh, clipped language um, and um, I was uh, looking into all of this and um, I saw uh, that there was really uh, quite a bit of fantastic research um, done uh, down in Tulane University in Louisiana um, and um, which I wrote about and things, um, but that was a bit more hard sciences to be looking into the brain and things. And uh, and that was, uh, I believe, Doctor Robert Heath, was it? Yes, that's yes. correct. Um, and so, um, you know, uh, so there was very few people that, uh, that had sort of put forward a bit more hard science behind things, but there was Siles, um learned helplessness. Um, uh, which was an experiment in things which was very unethical, but you could see that something um, could be described which you didn't have to go through some unethical procedure uh, mm. or using animals or something to extrapolate anything from. 
Um, I wonder if without getting too much into the science, if you could explain a little bit some of that research yeah. on yeah. how the, the frontal cortex is connected through the okay. limbic system. Yeah, right, exactly. So um, could you say, which I think if you could observe it and have a picture, that the frontal cortex has grown out of anatomy implicating interest and pleasure. Mm. So as these emotions, interest and pleasures existing, you're able to be processing information in the frontal cortex and all new information is logged in the frontal cortex and then when you dream, it's uh, transferred to the post-motor uh, uh, cortex area um, and goes beyond the frontal cortex um, more uh, past the sulcus separating the frontal cortex um, with the midbrain. It goes into the midbrain and uh, uh, through dreamedness which, uh, is engaged involved in uh, associative conditioning and hardwiredness more is of memory um, so that you can have more direct recall. So where somebody's able to be dreaming more in their life, um, they can have a great capacity and great uh, ability for attention. So one of the things that I did like um, I was a, you know, primarily a stage hypnotist and I would bring things out which was pretty shocking to people because um, you know I'd show you five pictures which 97% of people would say that was not changed and they were the same picture and only three out of the whole crowd would be holding their hand up to say that the pictures had changed. Hmm. Um, and everybody thought those three were a bit dark because you know they certainly didn't change and 97 percent of all people there would say absolutely these pictures didn't change um when they were showing just one after each other um that's what the result was but when i put them up alongside each other most everybody was completely horrified i mean you're aghast actually <laughs> no true because you can see that the second picture the, the background is completely different from the background of the first picture so um three eight people out of a uh, hundred pretty much have a completely different sort of a focus where you're able to have logged what you can observe but you're not fixated there. You're roamed around um, and looked at everything else. And so, uh, you know, attention and focus and things such like this require someone to really be able to uh, be more in an, uh, an outward live meditation of eye awareness where you've got no dialogue going on inside, basically. But, you know, I mean, um, when people tick the box, what's their biggest fear? Most say public speaking is the number one because um, it's the thing that plagues them all their life. Um, and number two is death, you know. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so many would be prefer to be in the casket than giving a eulogy. And <laughs> it just is the truth of life um, where you and I are. But if you could have the various things to support saliva in your mouth, um, uh, if you had good support not to have any immune condition that was affecting uh inflammation inflammatory proteins and things um, you might have a better blood brain barrier and be able to block all larger proteins from having gone up into the brain in your youth um, and with baby food and things such where attention in a future moment more 
would be to all the cytotoxin because mm -hmm. there's a big difference between a brain which really is operating in its totality and a brain which is slightly of a minimal brain dysfunction. So, mm -hmm. You know, so there's some physiological things where something is right, but yet also too there's behavioural things and the physiological things are, are behavioural. So the various things which are deeper in metaphor um, are going on where you could observe movements on the outside of the body and you could correlate that this to the internal matrix of the brain. So for instance, mm -hmm. if it was that I was engaging you in uh, a picture which you're constructing and so you're visually uh, constructing a picture, various areas of your brain are engaged where you're constructing a visual picture to make sense out of things or uh, you're connected to something said perhaps which is auditory uh, and that's in memory um, and so each of us are using our senses in unique way and the Toltecs were masters and are masters in the art of analogue which is everything other than dialogue so um, everything which is about your presupposition or mind is really how you and I and everyone is more in a hypnotised state and so you could easily be dehypnotized or reprogrammed. So what you're awake to, or anyone, is very limited phenomena, yet what you could be aware of is beyond the state of wakefulness and beyond dreaming and deep sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, I think one of the things that's key in whole brain functioning is that pleasure neuroinhibits aversion. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, oh, that's a great point. So <clears throat> something which our listeners would be great to hear is that as you're in interest and pleasure, you're stimulating whole brain functioning and causing more uh, frontal cortex engagement. Whereas, uh, where words such could be only have just been described as aversive or dissociated, it's a typical thing that the physiology of those words are coming more from amygdala function and tegmentum, which are uh, structures in our brain which are involved more in processing information more from aversion and through aversion. So we have two unique systems and one neurologically inhibits the other like what you have presupposed where pleasure neurologically inhibits aversion. So as you're studying really in whole brain functioning really what more logical brain is, uh, how does a logical brain function and we're giving you the keys which are so uh, needed as what you could consider even secrets in the day, uh, but that perhaps it's one in 10 million people today just naturally could be arrive where you are, uh, you come across who can have a great capacity to achieve things and mm -hmm. uh, truly have a remarkable life where your art is your life and your life is your art. So pleasure uh, stimulates whole brain functioning and it's your pleasurable and mine and everyone's in the world is just equivalent to plus one in a bank of energy and uh, negative things are plus minus five hmm. so you have to have plus ones to equal that minus five so you have to build a resource state that's large enough to collapse any stuck state but then uh, so how could it be that 97% of people could be presented with a picture which 
all could say it hadn't changed, yet three are listening or three are observing there and they are observing in a very unique way and they've observed to see something distinct is going on and they've got more finer acuity to be able to distinguish but plus they've got strategy uh, in their attention and focus. So if in our life, yours or mine, um, we could be more present to be who I is um, and so a thought uh, can be just like a, a reflection in the mirror, which it is, uh, but that you know it's not you and so you wouldn't ever mistake a thought to be you. Um, and, but you and I, we have awareness and if we could improve our awareness where we are, we could learn that first whole brain function principles exist which are modes of yours and my ability to sort information. So for instance, if you have rapport, as you have pacedness and leading, as you are able to get statements of support where you are, um, as you're able to install more new behavior generators, as you have a greater capacity to have information stored in studios and space and you have that access and ability to be able to retrieve that information. So, so you... Sorry to interrupt you there, Dr. Job. Uh, do, I was just wondering if you could talk about some of the techniques that uh, you, we can all use to activate more whole brain functioning. Yes. Well, well, first, where attention hasn't got for you, you could go one year and get rid of don't, won't, can't, should, must, try, but only. Sorry, that's don't, won't, can't, should, must, and only? Yeah, because those are words which all come from amygdala and tegmental function. And eventually you could learn how to apply those words. Um, but it's just that you're going without for a moment in time that you could learn. And so you're polarised to your own first attention because we're dealt one country with most try but only could have been the words which was predominant because the preferred mode of sorting information was more from what was polarised or what was adverse or what didn't fit or what was obscure. So if I gave someone a picture and I said, put an E inside this E, if you were polarised, you'd have an E that didn't fit into the E as a visual image. Whereas if you were congruent, you'd straight away see that the letter E could be a line inside another E, which, which was a lighter colour, which was also in the letter E. Um, and so, you know, anything that you're asked on the job or where you are in life in the domestic situation, are you responding more congruently versus uh, could you be, only have been responding as many are in a polarised way, which is a government country with must try but only. So if you were to polarise to your own first attention by just saying, I'm going to stop, don't want country with must try but only for one year, and I'm going to pause and I'm going to see that I can put something else in there that's more positive. So, so you're going to start to be more well-formed in what you do because things have to be logical, have to be valid. To be valid, you have to have reliability. Something has to be repeatable. So could your brain more function more, more in a scientific more mode of more excellence versus someone's brain who doesn't have a proper neural efficiency quotient? Hmm. But you and I, we could take action more. You, we could awaken mastery more in your own self and we, you could be a, a member of this great family um, of whole brain functioning more, where you can have access to more whole brain functioning in your own personal development. You could begin to say, I'm, I want this personal development. Why? Well, because you're going to learn how to use your brain more. Um, and so 
if you're in any profession at all, of course, you want to be using logic, certainly. And if somebody has a better idea, uh, it should be that you observe to take on the better idea. shouldn't be stuck with anything. Someone could change your mind in an instant. Mm. Well, that was what I investigated. Back in the late 70s, there was equipment that could give you biofeedback. And we looked into brains and all the research that was done uh, into monks and people with extraordinary abilities, ex extraordinary versus normal. And you could see that who was extraordinary has a brain functioning a lot like a child versus whose brain's not functioning properly is functioning like an adult. Mm. And so the difference was there was a don't want country with mastroba only in the adult's brain where if you give this to a child, you say, don't have a lot of fun with this, they're going to laugh and have a lot of fun with it. Because you know I mean? <laughs> they can hear the embedded command. Mm. Uh, whereas yeah. the adult puts a don't in front and they have no idea now that what they've said is incongruent. But a child can hear this and a sage can too. Mm -hmm. She can hear your presuppositions, you see, as a child can. So if I said, um, you look better today, the meaning was for someone not learned was and for everyone listening who is, is that you're coming from picture of less. And so if I say bigger, better, greater, if I'm about a mega super ultra blender, <laughs> um, it's a bit ridiculous. Because mm -hmm. um, it's a, a more and more. So more and more comes from dissociated states and going over things, which is another way to process information of preferredness. And, then, and so you've got congruency as one mode of sorting information you've and processing and you can get everything done this way so that creates more whole brain functioning versus you could be going over things that's another type of response and that's called a stuck state or otherwise you could also be in a polarized state which is adversiveness so you could remember more how relaxed your shoulders are and how relaxed your breath is how um how relaxed your heart is and your shoulders and your hands and your face. So I wonder if you could maybe share some of the, uh, the techniques of reframing and changing one's physiology in, okay. to achieve more whole brain. Yes. Well, reframing is the art of turning SH1T into roses. <laughs> so if an elephant took a poop, someone could say this is the great best manure or, uh, and uh, fertilizer to be conditioned and brought into a garden. And mm -hmm. so you're, you're, when you're reframing, it's the art of being able to put a new meaning around what's going on or create a new context. So there's two types of reframing that Toltecs teach you. And that is that you are to always realize that every single behavior has a positive adaptive reason for being such. And that those secondary negative consequence could be you could reframe what's positive and put a better circumstance as a strategy there. So if it was that only internal dialogue was in kinesthetics, but no vision was, and you reminded that only stuck state existed because there was a central system deletion, and that as a result of you bringing back more in the vision and occipital lobes, you're bringing more whole brain patterning. But if it is that you note that the state that you're creating in others around you could be whole brain function, you could be aware that interest and pleasure is going to cause someone to be in the front of their cortex, but you could have shut them down in the past by having a don't want kind of must try but only and doing overlay. So rather than just dealing with the subject matter of itself, all kinds of things have got overlay 
And that's the kind of thing that's going on. You've got one person in charge of a remote and they're going from one channel to another and it's called a word salad. No central, integrated, organized nervous system has existed in a lot of writing, which is just a hodgepodge of a whole lot of people's writings without a central organized nervous system. That's bad. You can't get a thread of what's truthful because could be even infanticide written somewhere. No one said those people were wrong and that was unethical, period. And that's insane. So where you've got things written, even spiritual apparently, but there is no commentary that corrects what was insane, I personally think that is not spiritual, you see. But you and I, we live in a world where we could do, definitely do better where we are. And so we could raise the bar, raise awareness where we are. And that's what you and I are doing and where we can grow others. But you could adopt whole brain functioning principles where you are, which the first one is that interest and pleasure creates whole brain functioning. If you have done things to not create that, you've shut someone down and you've shut yourself down. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've learned from listening to you over the years is you very often use, instead of a, a negative reinforcer, you'll say less than or other than to... Because then you could say what's well, positive because I could absolutely. say it's other than excellent. Well, this is a way to say what's excellent versus <laughs> uh, you look shitful. Um, <laughs> but yeah. why would one want to know what's not right? Because you could focus on what is excellent. So you've got individual initiatives in leadership where you can see someone has great skills in their own critical uh, thought process. Well, no one wants to be with someone who's not critical in their own mm. thought process because that's ridiculous. <laughs> How can anybody be in leadership capacity if you're not able to be critical in your own thought process? That's ridiculous. So someone who's really, really good in the playground, they're good because, and there are a lot of friends, gee, you know, they're doing really good because they're really good in the playground. So good at being arithmetic, writing and reading, but not good at recreation is going to be poor. You've got to be good at recreation. You have to be able to good at keeping company and things such, because then you've got a business sense of things. But if you have too hardness about stuff, you haven't got a principal rule 101 where you've got to have a soft edge there to have business. Because if you don't, if you have a hard edge, you'll collapse things. Mm-hmm. And what what suggestions would you have, for example, for someone such as myself, who uh, very much, I I live in a a big city, I'm surrounded by people using uh, language that is less than the best, and to really model that excellence, do you have any suggestions for for me, Brian, that that I could um, use to really... Yes, okay. Well, the things you could do is first examine that you have kinesthetic auditory visual and who is ingenious always processes information from feeling, hearing, and seeing. And it's in this order. So it will come out more in this order. Also, too, you'll note that your extensor, which are muscle groups which raise and hold your arms up, are the muscle groups which, which, which initiate all the... Uh, as, as anchors are initiating states. And so all memory learning and behaviour is state-specific, and you, you're using your body and your mind is the body's experience of itself to access information. First, you could be asking yourself, is this in an interest and pleasure? And am I speaking in a manner that's listening, listen speech? uh, And and everyone knows that if you pass a message on to one person, they've changed it. By the time it gets to the 10th person, it's completely changed. So yours and my capacity to be something logical 
may not necessarily be. We could be more focused on the things logical, so something perfect, not perfect, but total, could come to be because it's more total. Uh, so you could apply more first kinesthetic auditory visual. You could look at what you've written and see that something is existing more where words are being used, which is auditory, our words are being used, which is kinesthetics. So it's go, get, have, do, feel. And then you've got auditory words like to listen, to discuss, to mention, to admit, explain, that rings a bell, the tone, the rhythm, the pitch. These are all auditory expressions. And then you've also got a whole load of visual ways to be able to describe things. That, that, um, you get a clear perspective about things. You take a look at things overall. And so you and I, we're using our senses in a unique way. And as you're in a congruent state, you're going from one sub-modality, a modality of vision, but you've got sub-modalities of vision. So, for instance, you've got brightness, opaqueness, contrast, you've got colour, and in every sense, you've got every other sense. So, But a sub-modality is a structure of that sense. So in a congruent mode of sorting, you're going from one sub-modality to another, you could note this just by looking back and seeing that you created flow around and that what you did in your interactiveness was to be able to create flow because communi communication is a response that you're getting back, not um, what you've said or what I've said or my intention whatsoever. But the communion really truly is the ultimate is the response ultimately that you're getting back. And that's the effect of your, yours or my communion. So something has got to be more analogical not just didactic like you're listening but engaging your body more by seeing yourself in a future moment uh, with success and in having embedded new behavior generators where they can be and having an opportunity in life to better install those so i've just done a firewalk more recently and uh, as a breakthrough experience where you and i all walk across coals uh, which are 12 feet, so it's not just a little stroll, you know, um, or lingering um, or short moment, but you've got 12 feet of coals you're going to walk across. Um, and you can go through unscathed if you'll follow what I say. So, and I can promise that to you. So, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was that at your recent, I know you were recently in Hawaii, correct? Well, um, yeah, we're going up into the mountains. We've got quite a crew of apprentices and, and those assisting in the movement, more of eclipsenow.net, which you could go to and have a look at. Um, and we're going up into the mountains for like a sabbatical, and then we're heading to a training that we're doing in Salt Lake City coming up, which is, you know, awakening mastery more, it's a whole bunch of function, personal development training, which has got cognitive and uh, analogical, uh, experiential-based learning in it. Because what you're doing in your body, how your body shows up, we're going to be going over this. See? And you're going to be learning a lot about this. So actors, people can apply this. People can apply this in uh, advertising, marketing. You can apply this to be better in your own speech and um, the way you show up. And as I said, the first greatest fear most everybody has is public speaking. And the second greatest fear is death. And so I think we should examine this, actually. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, David. We really appreciate your time.
Yeah, you're welcome, Brian. Uh, and I'm really glad everybody's tuned in. I hope you're having a wonderful day where you are. This is Dr. David Jubb, and uh, we've been with Brian Johnson, and we've been talking all about whole brain functioning. And I really hope that you've learned some things today. Have a wonderful day, and uh, do get inspired by the things which we've said. Do listen to more and go back over this program. I'm positive that there's some things for you. I'm positive about it. Uh, do start to read beyond where you are. Um, there's so much material on the net. Thank you so much, Brian. Let's uh, catch up to each other in a future moment. Absolutely. Thank you, David. Love you guys for listening. Thank you for listening to the show today. If you enjoy our content, please help support us by heading over to www.elysiumproject.tv where you can find our soon-to-come e-store as well as the link to our Patreon subscriber zone.